The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. Good evening and welcome to the Buddhist Society of Victoria's Monday night meditation. And it's being live streamed here from Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And of course, uh, some of you will know this is Ajahn Nisarano. I am the senior monk here at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And uh, I, uh, for those who don't know, I was ordained by Ajahn Brahm uh, almost uh, 25 years ago as a full monk and have spent uh, almost 14 years in Sri Lanka before coming back to Australia and now being based at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And of course, you may be wondering why this session has become an online session. And of course, uh, at the weekend, we had a number of COVID infections related at the Buddhist Society of Victoria's City Centre in Mulvaney's Buddhaloka Centre. And so we thought it was best to do this online this evening and um, for me to come back to the monastery um, to isolate, even though I'm only a close, I am a close contact. So the situation is that the uh, Buddha Society of Victoria, the uh, Buddha Loka Center, will be uh, temporarily closed until uh, Sunday the 24th, so that's next Sunday. All right, this Sunday coming. Uh, and please check the website, and that will give you the latest information. It's been, been changing quite a bit in the last uh, uh, 24 hours as we sort of wonder what is best to do. And of course, um, it reminds us, doesn't it, that COVID is still out there and is still running the show. And um, as, as I often mentioned, that COVID really um, provides, doesn't it, uh, like a, a reality check because it's, uh, it confronts us with um, sickness and death, with impermanence, all those things that we don't usually see or often not so much highlighted. And, of course, it's teaching us. I mean, I like um, Ajahn Chah's uh, teaching that everything is teaching us. But he said we have to be good students. In other words, we have to really... Uh, have that intelligence, that interest, that investigation into our experience to really get the wisdom, the insight that comes from it, which will always be, won't it, about impermanence, that everything is nothing lasts and everything is subject to change. And, of course, the motto for um, COVID-19 has been expect the unexpected. And this if we take that on board, of course, it gives rise to a sense of um, acceptance or letting go. And um, it's taught us about uh, dukkha, the second, the second characteristic of existence, of life, of reality, which is unsatisfactoriness or suffering. Now, we can't always get things the way we want them to be. Sometimes we do, but there's often many disappointments. And like today, I mean, you know, we were planning to have this session at the, the city centre. And when we fully understand that, when we appreciate that, uh, when we're reminded of that, that can also give rise to a sense of 
acceptance and letting go. And of course, the other thing that is teaching us, and I think this is very important when people get um, COVID, uh, is the aspect of non-self, anatta, that it's not personal. Sometimes people feel so, I've had people uh, sort of apologize for having COVID and, you know, I've, I've perhaps had contact with them. And I say to them, it's not, not personal. And uh, it's, it's also good to reflect that we don't really own uh, these bodies and minds. They are like temporary, uh, temporary possessions or we're temporary residents. They belong to nature, both the body and the mind. And of course, non-self reminds us, it's one of the qualities that the Buddha brought up quite often was that because of non-self, we can't control these things. We can't make the body not age, not get sick. Um, so th this is a, an important reflection that allows us to accept things uh, as they are at this present moment, and then to let go. And it's also, you know, it's it's teaching us a lot about um, kindness, compassion, uh, joy for others, successes and good qualities, and equanimity. This is the Brahma Viharas. And this evening, I'd like to focus on one of those Brahma Viharas that's very applicable and um, it's quite difficult for us actually and that's acceptance or upeka i prefer acceptance rather than the usual <laughs> translation equanimity it's an english word that most people you hardly ever hear except for buddhists i think equanimity so this upeka is unconditional acceptance and it's uh, one of the uh, four brahma viharas but uh, one of my teachers, Ayakima, used to call them the four supreme emotions, which I always like. And of course, Upeka, literal meaning is looking on. And, but the, and it's a looking on that comes from wisdom, obviously from wisdom, but it's got a kindness and a warmth to it, not coldness or indifference. And it's, it's a feeling that we may not be so familiar with, but it's a feeling of allowing of making peace with uh, uh, what we're experiencing, even if it's not what we like. <laughs> and it's a feeling of balance, letting be. And, and it's also a feeling of respect too. Um, and it has that a warmth of, as I mentioned, of loving kindness. So it is actually a very positive emotion and, and it's one of, the, uh, uh, one of the key qualities that we can develop um, and in uh, in ourselves, and it's a very it's a wonderful way to allow things to be that we can't change, uh, and allow them to be with a, a kindness and uh, with a sense of patience, maybe even forgiveness and compassion. There's a lot of compassion that comes with um, equanimity too. So. It's, it's, well, I think quite good because often we're not that familiar with this emotion of acceptance. We're not even perhaps thinking, thinking of it as an emotion. So acceptance, what is an acceptance? Well, of course, I've already mentioned it's not indifference. It's not coldness. 
It's not about controlling or judging uh, ourselves or others um, or situations or life. It's about, or, or it's not about rejecting. So that's what it's not about. And uh, it's always uh, good to, uh, to reflect on these, uh, these qualities of, of acceptance. And um, so I'd like to give a little bit more, say a little bit more about acceptance. Um, and sometimes people think, well, if we accept everything, does that mean we can't change uh, things? We can't change situations? And of course we can. Of course we can change things. Um, we can influence things. But what has arrived at this present moment, of course, can't change. And it reminds me of uh, something of a, uh, uh, a poster my mother used to have in the toilet, and it was called the Serenity Prayer. And I think it's very pertinent, actually, very relevant to what, we what I'm talking about, acceptance. May I have the serenity, it says, to accept what I cannot change and the courage to change what I, what I can change and the wisdom to know the difference. So that is, may I have the serenity to accept what I cannot change, the courage to change what I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's, I think it's very a wise saying. And because we often we're not aware of what we can't change, isn't that the case? I find it. <laughs> we we think we we can change everything, but of course, what we can't change is the present moment. It's come. It's as it is. Um, we can respond to it in a different way, uh, but we cannot change what is actually happening at this moment, and we can't change others. Uh, people try that all the time, <laughs> and I think they soon realise that that is uh, not possible. The person has to wish to change themselves. And we can't change nature, the basic conditions that apply to life. And we mentioned those, didn't we? Like impermanence, old age, sickness and death. This is very Buddhist, isn't it? <laughs> Unsatisfactoriness, and also the fact that uh, that life is a process that's non-self. It is a process, not individuals, not persons. And the, th the other thing we can't change, according to to uh, what people usually say, is taxes. They say uh, usually they say death and taxes. Don't you can't change those. So what can we change then? You know, this is, and of course, the future, by dealing with the present moment well, we're making the future now, and we can uh, make change by having a positive attitude here in the present moment, and that will give rise to a future of a similar character to the states of mind we're developing in the present moment, uh, such as accepting things as they are now. And of course, I mentioned we can change ourselves by creating the causes, the conditions for those changes. It's not like we can directly change uh, our minds and our hearts, but we can gradually train ourselves in a different direction by developing positive habits, developing positive habits of thinking 
acting and speaking and repeating them again and again. So we can bring about, and the other types of changes that we can uh, affect is bringing about changes in society. And that can happen. And some people are instrumental in doing that. So important to think, how do, how do we develop this uh, emotion of acceptance? How do we develop it? And of course, acceptance really, really, really relies on understanding, doesn't it? Understanding that we are all the way we, we are all the way we are because of our past karma actions. These are actions of body, speech and mind. It's shaped us, it's made us who we are now. And uh, understanding this changes everything. It's, uh, and I will also um, add another condition that uh, supports this understanding, and that is the conditioning that comes, the influences that come from others as well, that affect the way we see the world. And of course, that is, um, you know, our parents, um, our teachers, and some of them, you know, our spiritual teachers like the Buddha and uh, our spiritual teachings like Buddhism offers, our friends and society and the time we live in. There's a whole lot of uh, influences and ways of thinking that come from the time we live in and the media as well. What it does, of course, it shapes the views that we have which in turn shapes our actions of body, speech, and mind. And of course, our actions of body, speech, and mind, the, uh, um, the Buddha mentions that we are the owners of our actions. It's like, this is a way of saying we're responsible for them. And uh, so this is often something that can encourage us to be careful, to be kind, and to, uh, be gentle, and to have uh, positive qualities uh, towards others and ourselves because we're responsible for our actions, of body, speech, and mind. And so, and the Buddha says that we are the heirs of our actions, so we get the results of them, and uh, particularly the mind, which is making the world that we experience, really, for better or for worse, um, but it can also, of course, uh, we can also uh, create the causes for change in there as well. And we are born of our actions, the Buddha says, because they shape our personalities and they even shape uh, our bodies too, coming from past lives. And uh, our actions, he says, are like our relatives, so they're very close to us. And our actions are our shelter. They're sort of like a refuge. But if it's a good refuge, <laughs> that's fine. But if there is uh, lots of negativity and negative actions of body, speech and mind, it won't be a good refuge for us. And whatever actions we shall do, whether for good or bad, we will be the heirs. So that's, that's the recollection on karma. And if we, if we understand that, then uh, we can develop this acceptance of ourselves and others because we realise, yes, that we are, we are fashioned, as it were, by this karma, 
by the repetition of things through our actions, through our speech, and through our thinking and emotions. And so is everyone else. And also that we, we and everyone else has been conditioned by so many influences. And uh, this has made us the way we are. And of course, it's a sort of a unique combination, isn't it? We're all different, although there's a lot in common. Um, and in reality, there is no basis for judging each other or comparing. We they often say in English, don't they? We're like chicken chalk, uh, cheese and chalk. That's what we, cheese and chalk. I'd like to give a quotation from Ajahn Chah that I like very much, which is um, one called "Crooked Tree," and it's a, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful quotation about how we practice, but it's also brings in a lot of this uh, acceptance um, that I'm speaking about. The essence of our practice, Ajahn Chah says, is to watch intention and examine the mind. You must have wisdom. Don't discriminate. Don't get upset with others if they are different. Would you get upset at a small and crooked tree in the forest for not being tall and straight like some of the others? That would be silly. Don't judge other people. There are all varieties. No need to carry the burden of wishing to change them all. If you want to change anything, change your ignorance to wisdom. Isn't that great? That's a really lovely um, quotation. And of course, it's also important not to judge ourselves <laughs> because we are conditioned. We are the products of our actions of body, speech and mind too. And so it's some of the things that come with, that occur for us, we are not in control of it because we have created that momentum by repetition in the past. So how do we uh, develop this uh, acceptance? And I, I like to use the phrase, it's, it's meaningful for me, is everything belongs, unconditional acceptance. It belongs in this moment. Um, and some years ago, when I was living in Sri Lanka, before I came to Australia, I was having living in a cave. And uh, one of the insights that came up during that period of living in the cave, I was there for eight years actually, uh, was that everything belongs, everything had its part, uh, part to play. You know, whether it was perfect or imperfect, whether it was pleasant or unpleasant or just in between, um, whether I liked it or not, it all, you know, belonged to this uh, present moment. And for me, that brought a, brought a sense of acceptance as well as valuing and respecting everything. Everything has its uh, place in the present moment. It's here now. And uh, it also brought up this not discriminating and judging mind. And, of course, when we can accept, we can make peace with things as they are, it does, it brings peace to the mind. So uh, this, this, this evening I'd like to focus on this acceptance meditation, which is really um, upeka, upeka. So I'd like to start that meditation soon. I'll just have a drink <laughs> and we can start this uh, acceptance meditation.
So, if you'd like to find a comfortable position to sit for meditation and come into the present. You can close your eyes, get in contact with the body. And just uh, to reflect that for this time, for this period of roughly 45 minutes, we don't need to do anything else now. And there's nowhere we need to go. We can just be here in the present moment, letting go of the past, how things have been, how we have been, how others have been, and letting go of the future, how they may be. Just taking a holiday in the present moment. And we can check out how the body is now, just to maybe to move the shoulders to relax them. I quite like that, relaxing them, because we carry a lot of tension in our shoulders. And to just check out um, if we feel that the body is comfortable, feel if it's um, balanced, the head balanced over the uh, shoulders and the shoulders over the hips. There's a nice uh, sense of balance, stability, and ease as well. And no, um, not tension, not uh, any rigid posture. So just ask the body, how do you feel now? And make any adjustments that you feel improve the ease of the body, the comfort. Being kind to the body. And now we can mentally relax the body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes. And it's such an important part of the meditation. So we can soothe the top of the head, the back of the head, sides of the head, relaxing them with this warm, kind attention. And now moving the attention to the forehead and relaxing, soothing that area. And moving the attention to around the eyes and the cheeks and relaxing them with this warm attention.
And now moving the attention to the mouth and the chin or around the mouth and relaxing that. Soothing the area around the mouth. And bringing to mind the neck and moving our attention all around the neck to soothe it, to relax it, giving it this mental massage. Now bringing to mind the right shoulder starting at the neck moving our attention along the right shoulder, soothing it, relieving, releasing any tension, any hardness or stiffness in the right shoulder. Now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and moving our attention down the right arm all around it to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, soothing the right arm, giving it this mental massage with kindness and warmth. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving along the left shoulder and soothing it, relaxing it, allowing the tensions of the day to dissolve. Now bringing to mind the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm all around it, 
to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, soothing them, relaxing them with warmth and with kindness. Now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back, soothing, relaxing and mentally massaging the back, easing any tense areas, any hard areas, any painful areas. With this kindness, this warmth, Now bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the chest area, diaphragm, stomach and abdomen, soothing them, relaxing them, giving them a mental massage. Easing any areas that have got pressure, tightness, tension, giving these areas particularly warmth, kindness, relaxation.
Now I'm bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention down the right leg to include the knees, the ankle, the foot and toes, relaxing them, soothing them, giving this kind, warm attention to the right leg. Now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg all around it to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes, giving the left leg a mental massage with warmth and with kindness. And now we can bring to mind the whole body just sitting here in the present moment. And we can have the intention to accept things as they are now. that everything belongs in the present moment. It's here already. Whether it's the way we like it or not, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, just 
just allowing things to be as they are. Everything belongs. And we can see how we feel. Does this bring a feeling up or not? Everything belongs, ourselves included. However, the present moment is. And we can become aware of the present moment with this feeling of everything belongs, accepting whatever we're experiencing in the present moment, sounds, feelings in the body, the contact of the clothes with our body, with the skin, contact with the cushion, the temperature of the air, Whatever we're aware of moment by moment, just accepting with this feeling of it all belongs. There's no need to rearrange it or fix it or to get rid of it. No need to judge it. It's here now. Just to make peace. Things as they are now. And when the mind becomes aware of the breath, when the breath comes to our attention, we can breathe in with this feeling, everything belongs. And we can breathe out with this feeling, everything belongs. Breathing in, everything belongs. And breathing out, Everything belongs.
And if your mind drifts off away from the breath, you can just remember everything belongs. And bring the attention to the breath coming in. Everything belongs. And as it goes out, everything belongs.
And now we are coming close to the end of the meditation. We can share this feeling uh, of everything belongs, the sense of acceptance, or maybe we experience peace, the sense of contentment just being here in the present moment. We can share that whatever feelings we developed with everyone listening to this, this evening. Wishing they may have the warmth of acceptance, making peace. And now we can expand this feeling of sharing, this feeling of everything belongs in ever widening circles around ourselves, wherever we are, to include all, all the beings, human beings, animals, insects, birds, all beings, the unseen beings and expanding it and expanding it. The sense of warm acceptance, not judging, not rejecting. and expanding it to include the whole earth and all realms of being, all realms of existence. we can develop the aspiration to remember to accept ourselves, others and life as it is now with this feeling of everything belongs and to anchor that feeling in our hearts so that we can remember it whenever we need to.
And now for a few moments just to reflect on meditation. How do I feel now? Is it different from before the meditation? Was I able to accept things as they are? And to feel that everything really does belong to this moment. And what caused the feelings that we experience to arise? What triggered them? What brought them up in the heart and the mind? And now I'll ring the bell three times. Those who wish to are welcome to come out of meditation at the end of the third ring. Two. So for those who would like to come out of meditation, we can slowly open our eyes and move our bodies, stretch them, relax them. And now I'll ask uh, Langdon, who is looking after this evening's live streaming, if there are any uh, comments, questions or complaints that uh, have appeared in the live chat. I should have mentioned the live chat, actually. Thank you very much, Ajahn. Um, at this point, there are no questions mm. from tonight's chat. So I recall from your talk yesterday, Ajahn, there were quite a few questions we weren't able to answer. 
Ah, right, right. So maybe while we're waiting for someone, anyone to ask a question tonight, if they would like to, uh, I could possibly return to one of the unanswered questions yesterday. Yes, yes. Um, so I'll just start with the first one we didn't have time for yesterday, and I'll keep an eye on live chat in the meantime. The first one was a, a question regarding Upasata Day. On Upasata Day, as per my understanding, we mm. are not allowed to use high beds and luxurious beds. Mm. But what if we sit on sofas or couches? Thank you. Right. I actually did answer this question, uh, uh, because the person uh, who asked it is, is for his wife, actually, because it's very, very wonderful, actually, that people will in their own homes observe the Apostata. They call it the Apostata Day, and that's the full moon or the new moon. And, of course, that's every two weeks. And uh, traditionally, it's a day when we practice, we give more emphasis to our spiritual practice. And often people will take um, uh, the ethical precepts, often more than the five precepts of uh, not killing living beings, not stealing, not uh, uh, sexual misconduct, and not lying and taking alcohol and drugs, they're the five, but they often take the eight precepts where the third precepts becomes no intention, uh, no uh, uh, sexual activity and not eating after, after the noon, after the midday period um, and not um, uh, dancing, singing, um, uh, entertaining ourselves with um, uh, shows of, or uh, wearing ornaments and things like that, wearing jewellery or perfumes and things like that. So very simple. And the last one, which is with what uh, this person is asking about, is referring to where it says that uh, we not to uh, to use, not to use high and luxurious beds in particular, um, uh, so that it's. Uh, on the Upasata day or when we're keeping these eight precepts. And uh, so that person was wondering because <laughs> they have sofas, uh, mainly sofas in their house, some kitchen chairs, but uh, was it okay to sit on the these sofas? And, of course, the main, uh, as I uh, understand it, the main focus is the bed, but uh, it's often referred to, uh, often considered to refer to luxurious furnishings. Um, and so uh, whether one considers a sofa as luxurious furnishings, I don't know. It's not high, so often they're quite low and um, not always used as a bed. They're not used as a bed most of the time. So I said to that person that it, it wasn't, um, I didn't think that it, it was high in luxurious furnishings. It is okay to uh, sit on them. Um, and it's really uh, the mind state, as I mentioned to that person, that's most important. We're not, on particularly the oppositor, <laughs> not, not indulging ourselves in the comfort of the 
uh, say the sofa or whatever furnishings we have um, it's not there for comfort but at the same time we should avoid the other extreme that the buddha mentions in the middle way of um, tormenting our bodies making it very very um, difficult for our bodies or making it painful for our bodies uh, because if we uh, go to either extreme we won't be in the middle and this is where the work of the mind can um, be uh, achieved or, or undertaken when we're indulging the body obviously we're going for sensory experience sense of the, the bodily sense of touch but it's going towards uh, seeing hearing indulging and seeing hearing smelling tasting and touching and when we're tormenting the body or giving our bodies a hard time and many people try to sit in say for instance full lotus don't they and give themselves a lot of grief and pain and what happens is that the focus is on the body rather than on the mind rather than on the meditation object which will often be the breath. Of course, we can also use the body as an object of contemplation. And, uh, but generally speaking, and, it, and we can contemplate the experience of uh, a Vedana, the feelings in the body, but uh, these can be quite a big distraction if we're, for instance, trying to, we are paying attention to the breath, and the body becomes very painful, then we will tend to go to the pain. And most often, the reaction to pain is, I don't want it, <laughs> it's rejection, aversion. And this is, of course, you know, a hindrance to the meditation. It's not gonna aid the meditation. Um, when we, if we, so it is, it is best to avoid those extremes, you know, tormenting the body or indulging, because if we indulge, we tend to go towards uh, more um, dull states of mind and uh, um, rather than, um, you know, developing this attentive or mindful presence. So that's what I, I said to the person, to the, uh, the partner or the person who asked that question about um, using the sofas on the impositor. So I hope that has general application to people, um, you know, that's in their practice. So thank you very much for that question from yesterday. <laughs> thank you, Ajahn. <laughs> we do have a question, uh, actually two questions that have appeared yeah. since you uh, responded to that one. So the first, question from tonight is is it important to keep our back upright when we meditate sometimes it's very hard to in brackets easier to lean against a wall right right yes yes uh, uh, sometimes uh, yes it is definitely easier to uh, lean against a wall and I know one of my teachers, she was Ayakim, uh, she was dead against it. <laughs> she wasn't keen on it at all. Um, but uh, in reality, I think it depends on each person. I think it is okay to lean against the wall. Um, it is okay. What we're really uh, focusing on in meditation is the work of the mind, isn't it? Um, if the body 
is reasonably comfortable, and then we can uh, focus on the mind, the mental experience, um, the feelings that come up uh, in meditation, and the mental, the object that we're paying attention to. So, um, if, if we lean against the uh, wall, I think that is uh, okay. I think that's fine. The only problem it can be sometimes. There's no wall that we can lean against. If we go, say, to a meditation centre, we may not be able to, to, to get wall space, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, so it, it's fine. I think it's fine. I, I myself don't lean against things too much, you know. Sometimes I do. If we do lean against things, sometimes the mind can become dull. But whatever works, we're not there to torment the mind, as I mentioned before, or to indulge so uh, that we can pay attention to the present moment, the mental, the object we're using in the present moment, and uh, um, but not um, be uncomfortable. It, comfort, to a certain amount of comfort is necessary. Uh, for us to be able to let the body be and um, and be with a meditation object. So, yeah, okay. I think you just see how it works. I think for all of us, it's going to be to see, well, when I lean against the wall, um, how does the meditation go? You know, um, is, it, uh, uh, is it better with, with the wall or without? You know, that's how I often look at things better with or better without. And um, you can just see, and what is better with means um, the quality of the mind, doesn't it? If the good qualities in the mind, great, then it's uh, it's working for you. If, if there are uh, hindrances or negative qualities in the mind, one's feeling very dull or drowsy, um, then uh, it's not really um, benefiting one. Uh, so just work with it, I think. This is... Um, what we all do, <laughs> really, just to see what works. This is, uh, again, one of my, when uh, I came this teaching, whatever works. But, um, yeah, just I think there's no problem with it, no problem with it. Thank you very much for that question. Yeah. Thank you, Ajahn. And the second question for tonight is, mm -hmm. uh, it sort of uh, describes what was happening my friend was snoring in the same room as me while meditating. I became increasingly agitated, so removed myself to another room. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, given the topic of acceptance tonight? Yes, <laughs> that's, very, that's really good. I like that question. Because obviously they um the idea or the theme of everything belongs includes the snoring, isn't it? Because it's happening in the present moment. Um, so uh, I think that, yes, perhaps, you know, you weren't able to develop that acceptance of the present moment. But this, what is uh, really important for us to see is the mind state that comes when we um, don't accept things as they are at the moment. Um, are we um, not accepting it with a sense of rejection or um, uh, with the thought this, should, this shouldn't be <laughs> like this or uh, something like that or I can't meditate when they're snoring? Having said that, I remember 
um, some years ago in uh, uh, at an Ajahn Brahm retreat in Sri Lanka. Um, there was uh, one monk I know, he'd had an operation on his hands and uh, he could only sleep in certain positions. They snored a lot. And he was sharing a, monk, uh, sharing a room with another monk. And that monk said to me, he said, ah, it'll, it'll be like a symphony to me. You know, he'll use that perception. <laughs> the snoring's like a symphony. And uh, the next morning I came out and that monk was sleeping in the common area. He'd moved out of the room. <laughs> the symphony had become too much. But I think he, he didn't have... Um, I didn't detect, you know, a lot of negativity about it. Sometimes when people snore, they, you know, uh, when we're sleeping or, or, or meditating, whatever, we can become annoyed or angry. This is obviously uh, a mind state that isn't good for us, but certainly not good for meditation. It's actually, you know, ill will. Um, so... I think it's okay. We learn from our experience, you know. We learn from our experience. And you have that famous uh, saying from Ajahn Chah, it's not the sound or the noise that disturbs us. It's us that disturb the, the sound or noise because we're, we're responding to it, aren't we? We're reacting to it. And um, that's okay. We can learn from that. We can learn from that because in the end our work is to to develop the mind, to develop the qualities of the mind, um, to work at the good qualities, <laughs> to work at understanding the negative qualities and letting them go, developing, uh, developing, training, um, repeating good qualities uh, so that uh, they become our character, our personality, our uh, default settings, as it were. Mm. So I hope that that helps you with it. I like that question. I think it's it's very uh, it's very good. Um, but I would say you were unable to accept it. That's okay. There's no problem with that. But uh, to learn uh, why you were not able to accept it's always that's good. Yeah, because there's often this feeling it shouldn't be like this. And um, Ajahn Chah had a wonderful response to that. He said, "Well, if it shouldn't be like this." It wouldn't be like this. And um, also, you know, if we do find in the meditation that uh, there is, uh, um, for instance, you know, pain in the body uh, and it's increasing, it's becoming, um, uh, it's, it's becoming the main focus for the meditation rather than the object of the meditation, it's okay to uh, mindfully change our position to make the body more comfortable. So some changes, um, you know, obviously we can make, uh, we may need to make, and uh, if, if we do them with a, um, a wholesome, positive state of mind, no problem at all. But if we don't do them with, a, with a irritation or annoyance, it's obviously, it's actually... Um, harming the uh, state of mind for one thing for sure but also the meditation it's a hindrance so thank you for that that's a wonderful um, <laughs> a wonderful question or or comment yeah that's lovely yeah thank you thank you Ajahn and uh, I think we might just have time for one more quick answer we 
just yes, yes. nine o'clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested um, in to hear your thoughts on this myself. And the yeah. last is, what do you think about um, the, well, the term is Buddha shopping? That is listening to teachers on YouTube from different lineages, or yeah. should one commit early in their practice to one teacher? Right. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, some Buddha shopping is is probably um, or teacher shopping <laughs> is necessary because if you if you actually uh, listen to some of the teachers, you'll find what naturally, or what you find, or you'll find those teachers that you resonate with, you connect with, that you find uh, actually help your practice, deepen your practice, help the meditation, help the the view that you see uh, of that you have of the world, have of yourself. So I think that's okay to do that. Um, you know, to look around and uh, to find those teachers. And those teachings that work for you and when i uh, say work for you you know developing good qualities in you developing a deeper um, insights or in, uh, encouraging you to investigate encouraging us to look uh, at our experience as um, everything is teaching us as i mentioned before so no problem i think with that it can some people can get confused with it um, because obviously, you know, some teachers will say this, other teachers will say that. And I think always when there is a confusion uh, about a teaching, and especially if it seems to be quite a, uh, um, you know, an important concept or idea, check up with the Buddha. You know, we can go to the, the Buddha's teachings and we have uh, this Sutta Central website and it's got all the, the teachings of the Buddha there, and uh, not only in the Pali tradition, you know, we have also the Chinese and uh, Sanskrit and Tibetan. And so you can just check up, did the Buddha really say that? Because I know sometimes we do hear teachings that uh, we may have doubts about, really. And um, in that case, that's not useful for us from that particular teacher, but we can check up. And of course, you know, when we check up and investigate, it deepens our understanding too, and it strengthens or um, they often use this term, straightens our views. <laughs> it, it, it actually, um, it can encourage us to develop a better understanding of um, right view, samaditi. You know, this is right view is um, what makes the whole of the Noble Eightfold Path right. You know, a view that takes us to awakening, to enlightenment, and so that's that's something very valuable because every factor needs that view, that right view, and obviously, if we're not enlightened, awakened, our view's not quite right. We're we've, if we're always um, deepening our view until one becomes a stream enterer, and then. Uh, one has right view, then it's an experience, an understanding, a seeing, a knowing uh, that informs experience. And so it's become part and parcel of oneself. So we're working on that. So it's okay to investigate other teachings, uh, teachers, and um, just to see, you know, what they're teaching 
And then, you know, as you do that, to choose what um, really resonates with you, connects with you, really helps the practice and really helps your, your life. Um, and I think that's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, we've, got, we've got so many though, haven't we? That's, that's a part of the, the, uh, the problem. There's so many there that the shopping could go on and on and on and on. But I think once we find particular teachers, then good. We can uh, look at their teachings more probably than others. All right, so I hope that is helpful. Uh, you know, the uh, Buddha shopping. <laughs> I know, uh, wasn't it, uh, Chongyang Trumpa used to call it spiritual materialism. That's what he called. He wrote a book called Spiritual Materialism, where we shop around. And, you know, it's, it is the mind of getting, actually. You know, we're going to get something, you know, because we're, we're inveterate accumulators, shoppers, <laughs> you know, this is one of the very strong roots, negative roots in our minds, this desire, this, this wishing to get, wanting, uh, is a very, very big part of it. So he had this book called Spiritual Materialism, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, that's what it was called. And it's a great book. I thought it was really good. I haven't read it for years, but I thought it was a really good book, actually. I thought it was very insightful, yeah. So thank you very, very much for that and a very good question, <laughs> very relevant. So now um, I think it's time to finish off. So for those who would like to, we can pay respects uh, to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, and I'll do that by chanting. So that makes it a bit easier, I think. Arahang Samma Sambuddha Bhagavā Bodhang by Gawantang Abiwa Devi Swakato by Gawata Dhammo Dhammang Namasami Supati Pano by Gawato Sawaka Sanko Sankang Namami And of course, that's paying respects to the Buddha Dhamma and the Sangha. And I'd like to finish by thanking those who made this possible this evening, particularly Langdon and also Ajahn Aranavihari, who helped set up for this live um, streaming. So wonderful that we could do 